Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from GuideHouse. Join the FedHeads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of FedHeads, sponsored by the good people at GuideHouse. And Mary Redding keeps coming back. We can't keep her away. Thank you, Robert, for that warm reintroduction. It really is good to see you, your <laughs> ebullient self. And we've got a mutual friend. So this is going to be pretty easy, talking to Tracy Martini, the Chief Human Capital Officer at the General Services Administration. I can't wait. Tracy, welcome. I'm so excited. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for having me back. It's been a while. Yeah, we, we try to lower expectations, So, uh, <laughs> but but we'll see how you do. We'll see how we do. Thank you. Tell, tell our listeners what kind of workforce it is you oversee. I oversee the best workforce in the federal government, 12,000 employees that are basically the backbone of the federal service, uh, the world's largest real estate holder, and also the purchaser of all the goods that the United States government consumes, the General Services Administration. And we also happen to be on the cutting edge of transforming how the government works, um, looking forward to a post-COVID world and figuring out how we can attract and retain the next generation of federal workers. We need an applause button because that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a good it's a good picture of mm-hmm. the kind of amazing things that relatively unheard of federal agencies are doing for the American people. And I had the absolute pleasure of working for GSA. Um, a couple of years ago. And so it is just a a wonderful agency. And we're so excited to speak with you today, Tracy. Um, Tracy and I actually worked together while I was at GSA. I ran the Office of Executive Councils. And um, Tracy was working for the Chico Council over at OPM. So we collaborated frequently across the CFO, CIO, Chico landscape for um, some government-wide initiatives. It was a lot of fun. And it also showed that really good work does happen in government once you break down those silos. So, Absolutely. So today we only have, um, you know, a limited time with you. I wish we had two hours because there's so much to cover in the federal workforce, Tracy. Um, a couple of things that I just want to chat about is the how impressed I've been with your outreach. So you've been front and center across social media and reaching out to the American public about opportunities to join the public service. Could you talk a little bit about what GSA has done to advertise and to encourage people to apply to become civil servants? One of my favorite topics. So first off, it's opportunities like this that I love to seize upon to talk about why it is important to spend some time of your career, um, whether it be one or two years or 20 or 30 years working in federal service, because to me, it's the most rewarding career there possibly can be. There are so many ways to serve in government. I may not work for an agency as well known as NASA, which, you know, only one agency in the world can talk about sending people to the moon. But every federal agency plays a vital vital role somehow in some way in Americans' lives. And I think it is so important for us to talk about why civil service is important to the fabric of the nation and to get people excited about it. Um, Unfortunately, the past few years have been a little rough because we've had pay freezes, um, we've had some shutdowns, but at the end of the day, there still is a large civilian workforce that is there serving American people, cranking out social security checks, you know, making sure our food is safe, our water is safe to drink, protecting our borders. Um, There's just so many opportunities for people to come in and serve, including at GSA. So you're at the center of uh, government-wide human capital reform. 
And there's probably no more important time for us to accomplish some real changes in the way we recruit and retain people. There's a global labor shortage. And the government's ability to recruit talent has not been as robust as we would hope. Can you talk about where we are in our human capital management reform journey? Yeah, it's actually a central part of President Biden's management agenda is workforce reform. And we are looking at ways we can make it easier for people to join the federal government. A lot of folks think it's a big it's a big mystery. It's very complex, but it's actually not. And that is reflected in our data, because if you look at the numbers of applicants that come in on USA jobs, it could be thousands of applications for one job opportunity. And that shows us people know where to go, but we need to do a better job talking about what skills are needed to be successful in those jobs. We also do need to do a better job with outreach and not rely so much on old fashioned ways of doing things. We are at GSA trying to get innovative and I'll give a quick example. We have an in-person job fair that we'll be at. It's for the historically black colleges and universities because it's HBCU week in Washington, DC. And instead of going there with arms and arms of paper and brochures, we have water bottles that have a QR code where people can scan it and all the information about GSA will pop up. So they'll know what types of careers we have, what skills we are looking for and provide links um, for individuals to apply. We're also really investing heavily in social media platforms. Um, Our CIO, who I like to say is the best in government, Dave Shive, he has his own personal Twitter following with 50,000 individuals. So whenever we have a high profile IT job, he goes ahead and amplifies it to his network. And we are seeing the results of that in the number of applicants and even more so the number of highly qualified applicants that are floating our way. So as an example, we just posted a chief privacy, a chief data officer job. We had 75 applicants and of those 75, 69 made it through the initial hurdle, making sure they met minimum qualifications. That is really wonderful considering the high skill set and high bar we are creating for our future workforce. And it's all due to getting the word out and helping people know where to go, who to talk to, to learn about these opportunities and to be best positioned to make it through um, the initial assessments and get an interview. Tracy, are you seeing those efforts result in a more diverse applicant pool as well? We're seeing diversity across the landscape, but I do still think we're struggling a bit with getting, uh, I call them the Gen Zers. I have a 19 year old daughter. It's that age set and for whatever Call reason me. i've got um, i've got a number of candidates for you right now do you, okay yeah, well, right. we will touch base <laughs> doing a little but, recruitment for know, my daughters here on fedheads that's absolutely and we want to get them into the civil service and to understand why it's a privilege to serve but i will say the government one thing we don't do very well that i'm hoping we can change is marketing ourselves Um, There's a lot of gloom and doom stories. You know, everyone talks about bureaucracy. It's that other B word no one wants to talk about. But there is a lot of privilege and growth that comes with serving your country, whether it be on the Hill or in the judiciary or as a law enforcement officer. All of these are civil service jobs. So we would like to make sure that people coming out of college, coming out of the military, look to the civil service as a place to get their career started. And we're looking for all types of people. Um, I had the privilege of working at agriculture a few years ago, and it's just amazing when you see the breadth and scope, everything from firefighters that protect our forests um, to food and safety inspectors to people working in labs and, and dealing with veterinary science. There is everything and anything you could ever possibly want to be in the United States Civil Service, and we have to really talk about why these jobs matter. 
And I think it's important for us to take that power back and say, you know what? Being a Fed is actually cool again. So back to hiring reform. You know, this has been a very hard nut to crack. You may have cracked it at GSA or, or working on cracking it. What's been the biggest barrier to actually making progress there? Technology and investment in federal HR shops. Um, we just don't have the manpower that we need, you know, to handle the volume of applicants. We also need to do a better job of assessing our clients and our potential employees. With hiring reform back in 2010, when President Obama was around, we thought the magical solution was to get rid of the knowledge, skills, and abilities essays. Unfortunately, what it did is it opened Pandora's box because then we relied heavily on self-assessment. And I don't know about you, Robert and Mary, but if anyone asked me how I am on certain competencies, in my mind, I'm always an expert. You are. So when you have, right? <laughs> you Thank are. you. So, and we, you know, when you have hundreds of folks grading themselves or there's this myth that I have to say I'm an expert to get in the door, it's really hard to discern who's actually um, going to make it to the top of the candidate list. So we have to do a better job assessing the candidates before they actually make it to the hiring manager, just so we can make sure the best and the most talented candidates are coming through into the system. One of the really cool new um, ways to get the government experience is through the Digital Services Corps at GSA. Could you share a little bit about that fellowship and how it came about and, and what's happening with the first group? So it's actually a great example, um, but I want to kind of put it in the context of an even bigger opportunity, which is Pathways. So the Digital Services Corps is part of the Technology Transformation Service. And one of the things that it realized is people that are coming out with those critical IT degrees, focusing on cyber um, or program development, they don't realize these opportunities reside in government. So we've created a cadre of talent that we are sharing with other agencies, and it is a three-year program. We bring them in, um, we give them experiences doing real you know, IT work on significant projects, and then we convert them into full-time government employees, much like we do for the Pathways program, which is open to all current college graduates, um, you know, bachelor's, master's, PhD, and you can come in within two years of receiving your degree into a variety of jobs. Um, some of them have specific degree designations, such as acquisition, which is looking for people majoring in business. Um, and it's a great way to recruit talent. And I just also want to remind everyone, it doesn't mean necessarily, you know, you're 22, 23 years old. Some people go back to school mid-career to change gears and, and learn a new skill. And those people would also be eligible for Pathways. Tell us about what's going on with the Chief Human Capital Officers Council. You've talked about some of the big challenges, what they're working on, but tell us about the dynamic during this administration, how it's focusing its energies. It's um, it's really been amazing. We are now back at OPM, and we are a full partner with them again with a seat at the table, um, helping to review legislation that's going up to the Hill, helping them prioritize what we really need true reform in. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute and say that one of my project areas that I've been passionate about is compensation reform. Um, Mike Causey did a great column. It was actually the day, Mary, you and I spoke, um, I was at ATD, and it talked about the recruitment problem the government has. And he put a great chart in his column from 2008 to 2022, and you can see how depressed our federal wages are. So when you take that, coupled with cutting back benefits, coupled with two major government shutdowns in 2013 and 2019, 
I can't believe we sit around wondering why government isn't cool to work for or why people aren't flocking to our doors. It's a self-inflicted wound, so we need to take a look at how we can reform it. Um, we're certainly never going to pay people Google wages or private sector wages, but we should and can be more competitive, whether it be leaning into more distributed work teams, offering more benefits like the family and paid leave that recently came about, um, or figuring out how and where people want to work so we can meet them and, and encourage them to have good work-life balance and to also make sure that we're compensating them for the work that they're doing in a way that is fair and will allow them to have a good life for their family. Thank you for sharing the information about the Chico Council, an issue that's an organization that's near and dear. Um, another issue that we have been working on um, personally and professionally is to combat the unemployment rate for military spouses. So many folks may not know that um, the military spouse unemployment rate is nearly 30% because of the frequent moves that's required of their service member spouse. And the federal government has really taken a huge step in, in to try to combat that issue. Um, there's a direct hire authority, and I know there is an additional push to organize and educate hiring managers on how to hire military spouses. So Tracy, I'm wondering what GSA is doing. How are you guys working with the military um, family population? This is a, a one that's very near and dear to my heart as the daughter of a veteran. Um, we are really capitalizing on that flexibility because it is a great way to recruit talent that is just looking for an opportunity to serve along with their spouse, um, but doesn't want to be constrained to having to be limited to a certain geographic area because they need jobs that are portable. So we are partnered. There's a wonderful work group led by the Department of Labor um, and the First Lady's Office, laser focused just on getting military spouses job opportunities. And GSA is a full participant. We send our job announcements out to their network. Um, we have done a really great job doing significant hires, particularly in the acquisition field, because many of the contracting officer jobs can be done remotely. So it doesn't matter where they're sitting. We just need to make sure that they are trained or we'll provide the training and then they can be with us for life and really write their ticket because then those skills are transferable to any federal government agency. Oh, that's fantastic, Tracy. I'm so happy to hear that. I was actually hired under that hiring authority years and years and years ago. So it definitely was had a huge impact on my career and my family. Couldn't be that many I think years. you should be our poster child for why it works because you are brilliant. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, you are a lawyer by training. And so, you know, we were able to get you in and capitalize on that great um, education that you have, whether it's doing analytical work or working in an OGC office. And it's just, it was a great fit. This love fest, love fest has gone off the rails. Um, <laughs> thank you, Tracy. <laughs> before it goes much longer, let me just say thank you, Tracy, for your service, for what you're doing to improve the experience of employees at GSA and the mission of GSA, but most importantly for being on Petra. Oh, thanks, Robert. And I do want you to send all of those college graduates uh, my way because if they're considering a job in the civil service, they need to work at GSA. I uh, agree. Thank you. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast brought to you by Guidehouse.